Now, I, uh, I would like you to do something. Usually at this point in the message, I, I, I ask you to take out your Bibles, but I'd like you to do this. I'd like you, if you have a phone here this morning, go ahead and take it out. Just go ahead and take out your phone. A lot of you are reaching for it right now. Just go ahead and take your phone in your hand. Don't read it. Don't watch it. Don't, don't pop little bubbles with it. Don't, don't do anything else with it. All right? Don't text it. Don't answer it. Just, just hold on to it for a few moments if you would. Um, hold it in your hand. We'll come back to this. For, for, some weeks, <clears throat> for some weeks, we have been, I have been bringing messages from God's Word about going the distance. This is what we're calling it, going the, the distance. Um, that, that serving Jesus is not a short walk. It's, it's not just a, a, a short time. We, we give our hearts to Jesus, check the box, and we're done. But rather, serving Jesus Christ is a journey. And, and, and for many, it's not a short journey. There are exceptions. People who give their lives to Christ, and just a short time later, they, they are ushered into heaven. But, but for most of us, it's a, it's a relatively long journey serving Jesus Christ. And it's a wonderful journey. The journey begins when we surrender our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of you here this morning can look back on a time and an occasion when Again, you experienced that brokenness and you surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. That wasn't the whole thing, but it was a wonderful beginning. You, you surrender your life to Christ and you begin this amazing journey. And this journey includes a lot of things that we never expected. I gave my heart to Jesus many, several decades ago, and, and boy, ever since then, I've been on this wonderful journey, and there are things that I encounter that you've encountered that we didn't see coming, but I'm really glad to be on the journey. If you're grateful to be on the journey with Jesus Christ, say amen. 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 You say it like you mean it. It is. It's a wonderful, wonderful journey, and, 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 and yet I, I want people to continue on the journey there's so much that Jesus has for us, and, and yet I have to say, as I've sh- said in previous weeks, one of the great heartaches and heartbreaks that I've ever experienced as a pastor and as a follower of Jesus Christ is when I, I know or encounter or even have a part in bringing someone to Christ, and then they don't go the distance. They don't continue on in the journey. Those are heavy things, and, and I want to do everything I can in these weeks in these weeks, we're, we're seeing that some of the tools, some of the tools that God has given us to help us go the distance. There are some things that we see from the Bible, there are some things that we have that He has given us so that the journey will not be, will not be aborted, so that the journey will not be prematurely ended, but so that the journey will continue until we see Jesus face to face and then continue on for eternity. He's given us some tools like, like God's Word. Like God's Word. I love God's Word. And, and, and a couple of weeks ago I shared from, uh, from God's Word about God's Word. Uh, I've been encouraging you in these, these uh, I think, four weeks now, I've been encouraging you to, to take this Bible and do more than, than just put it on a shelf or pull it out once a week or so, but to really read the Word of God. I've encouraged many of you, I've encouraged, I think, all of you that have been here in previous weeks to, to spend some time in God's Word, at least one chapter a day for at least four days each week. And I, and I shared with you several weeks ago how, 
how very conclusive and extensive studies have revealed that those who engage in God's Word, their lives are markedly different. Now, you understand it's dependent upon coming to Christ. There are people I've known, perhaps people you have known, who, who have become a student of the Bible but don't know the author. If you know the author and then read his book, I'll tell you what, God will transform you. And some of you, some of you, a number of you actually have come up to me and shared, boy, I started doing that, and I love getting into the Word. Now, some of you have been doing this for about three or four weeks, and perhaps some have said, you know, it just hasn't happened yet. We'll start today. Maybe you got going a little while, and then you just, you know, life and different things push their way in, and they will do that, and and, and you kind of stop. Well, I encourage you, do it again. Uh, because if the only spiritual food that you are getting is on a Sunday or on a Wednesday night or a, a few other select times, if that's the only spiritual food that you are getting, you are going to be malnourished and you are going to starve and you will not go the distance. So a number of you have come up to me and that's encouraging because I know that for every one or two persons that come up to me, there's probably five or ten others who have, are doing the same thing, but they just haven't expressed it. So I encourage you, spend some time in God's Word. It will, it will, it will give you instruction, and it will, it will, it will comfort you, and it will, it will correct you, and, and it will feed you, and it will make a tremendous difference. So again, I'm going to come back to that. Uh, uh, are you in God's Word? Is God's Word in you? And then two weeks ago, two weeks ago, we saw Jesus' example of, of praying. We saw his, another tool, a prayer, another tool that God has given us to go the distance. We saw how Jesus, by His example, because he was God, but he was also man. In human form, you see again and again Jesus going to his Father in prayer. We, we see in the Word, we saw in the Word how he prayed, and we saw what he prayed, and we saw why he prayed, and, and, and the difference that prayer made in Jesus' earthly life. And I encouraged you then to develop that essential part of growing in Christ and going the distance. And, and, and I encourage you to spend some time, and I referenced Matthew chapter 6, which we call the Lord's Prayer, that Jesus gave his disciples, and he also then gave it to us, to not simply pray that prayer, but to start there. That's what Jesus intended it to be, to start there and then expand from there, to, to, to pray the elements of that to pray it out loud and to allow to begin a, a conversation with God. I have to tell you that uh, there's so much that I could and would like to share about prayer. Time limits me, but, but, but to, to do that, that that is one of those things, to, to speak with God. I, I gave the example that, that my wife and I have been in relationship for 30 years. 30 years ago, she became my girlfriend. 28 years ago, she became my wife. But it's not just because of that first date or that day of marriage that we have a relationship. It's because we've been talking ever since. 
some of the most important times that I have with her are when we sit and drink coffee together and talk at the end of the day or at the very beginning of the day. It's so important. That's relational. And, and how, while that's a flawed illustration, because nothing compares to our relationship with God, to spend time with Him conversing in prayer. So important if we're going to go the distance. So I continue with that this morning. All right, so hold up your phones. Let me see your phones. Hold them up. Go ahead and hold them up. Hold them high and hold them proud, all right? There they are. Okay, um, Tim, is your phone on? How many bars do you have? You have, you have four bars. Oh, I got four in here too. I only had two in my office. Wow, that's better in here than it is in my office. That's, I, I, I was expecting only two. You got four bars. How many else have, have four bars? Isn't it interesting how language changes? If you, 30 years ago, if somebody would have said, how many bars do you have? You would say, I don't have any bars. Right? But yeah, you got it. Yeah, it was a little bit delayed there, Kimberly, but you got it. All right. <laughs> Right? Or how about this? How about this? Um, if somebody comes up to you and asks you your cell number, you give it to them. If some, 30 years ago, they, you would say, I'm not in prison. I don't have a cell number, right? Terminology changes. The cell, cell phones are, are very important to us, and, 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 and we use them all around. And you saw just a moment ago, there's, there's a lot of phones. The, the, the fact that, in fact, I'm going to turn my phone off now because, because I know how some of you operate, and you... You would be calling me just any second now, right? Turning that bad boy off. So <laughs> I disappointed some of you right there. Cell phones have become so much a part of our life that the fact that you have a phone with you and that it's tied to some kind of a network, some kind of a, we call it a cellular network work, it reminds us, it reminds us really every time that we go to it, though we don't think about it, we've been doing it for so long, but, but it, it is a reminder that a connection, that connection, at least in this sense, by way of technology, is really important to us. Many of us Many of us never leave home without it. How many of you have ever started even a small journey and you realized you forgot your phone and you thought, I am not going on this even small trip because i got to have a phone in case something happens, right? I wouldn't think. I used to do it all the time. I used to drive all across North America to, before I had cell phones. And, and now I wouldn't think about driving across the state without this little bad boy right here. Why? Because we like to be connected. Because connection's really important to us. So that when I asked Tim how many bars he had, he knew where to look. Why? Because we know that if we got a lot of bars, then we're really, really connected. It's important to us. It's important to us. A few days ago, Joni and I were waiting at our gate in an airport terminal. We were at a leadership conference for leaders in the Assemblies of God this last week, and we were on our way back on Thursday. And uh, uh, we were waiting at our gate, and about 80 other people were also waiting to board that particular plane. And, and, and really no surprise, I looked around, and, and nearly every person, in fact, I think every person except one, was, was, was on their cell phone. I'm going to put that next picture up. 
Everyone, they were, they, were, they, were, they were texting, they were watching, they were FaceTiming. If you don't know what that is, ask your kids. They were, they were talking, some of them rather loudly. The only person who actually did not, I looked around, every person had this in their hand except one person, that was my wife, and she, because the only reason she didn't is because there was a computer in front of her and she was doing some work, and that too is connected. Interesting, isn't it? Now, now, maybe now, may, some of you are thinking right now, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't have a smartphone or I don't have a cell phone, and that's fine, that's fine, but the, here's the thing, but you do have a phone. If it's a landline, you have a phone, and if that line goes down, then you want that fixed, because why? Because you want connection. Every person who is, is here today has some kind of connection, whether it's a landline or it's part of a mobile network, the get this word, the connectivity is extremely important to us. Our ability to communicate by way of some kind of connection is essential to how we live. And if you did not have that connectivity, you would do everything in your power to reestablish that connectivity. Pun intended, we're wired that way. We are wired that way. God made us and he wired us, if you will, because we are people who want to be connected, certainly with other people. That's what this is all about. But God also made it so that we can connect with him. Not just on an audible level, not just on a conversational level, but on a spiritual level. Some of you have made this observation that even in pagan religions, false religions, ungodly, godless religions, there are people who still believe in the power of prayer. Now, who they're praying to is non-existent. They're a false god. But the fact that they're praying means that as human beings, we are wired by the Creator to somehow, there's something in us that wants to reach out, that wants to reach out and make a connection with someone that is beyond us. God made us for connection. We're wired that way. Many of you, uh, and I looked around on uh, Friday night, many of you, uh, that's when we came back. We came back, uh, uh, yeah, Thursday night. Uh, Friday night, Friday night, I was looking around, and many of you were there at the Johnson Fine Arts Center with the skit guys, and that was, that was a lot of fun. I was there, and I'll tell you what, I have not laughed so hard in a very long time. They had, a, they had a very unique way of communicating truth in a humorous way and then bringing in truth and just really hitting people's hearts. And so I, they, they did a great job. Our church and several others brought them in. Um, and again, I, I haven't laughed so hard in years. They had a routine. If you were there, you remember they had a routine on Adam and Eve that was absolutely hilarious. Now, there were elements of their, of their routine that I do not remember in the Genesis record. Um, <laughs> it, it seems like there was maybe a little bit of embellishment or something, but uh, there was nothing they said that was heretical, but they just kind of added to some things and assumed some things and so forth. Um, but 
as they were giving that routine, and this, this message largely done, as they were going through that, was, that routine, I was reminded again how, how both God and mankind were grieved, were bothered when there was a disconnect. With these, we've all had this experience that when we're talking with someone and all of a sudden we get what we, what we call a dropped call. It just goes silent. You're talking and they're not listening anymore. Or they're talking and suddenly you don't hear them. That, that There's a disconnect. And what happened many, many centuries ago in the Garden of Eden is that Man and woman sinned, they chose to go against God's plan for their lives, and there was a disconnect, so much so that then later on, shortly thereafter, when God came to the garden, the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve hid from God. That is an indication of disconnect. Something came between them and God. We call that something sin, disobedience to God's plan. And it's interesting when we look at it that way, that sin creates a break in communication and it creates a break in relationship. And you've experienced this as well. I think we all have. When, when we choose to do something contrary to God's plan for our lives, when we choose to do something that the Bible very clearly says is wrong, there is a break, not just in, in the pattern of our lives up to that point, but there is a break in communication, and there's a break in relationship. You know, like, like some of you, like many of you, I, I, I grew up in a, in, a, in a wonderful home, and I grew up in a wonderful church, and, and, and yet I, I, I have to confess that I often saw sin as a violation of a rule. And, and technically it is. No, I never saw a comprehensive list of, you know, 42 things that you should not do and six that you should or something like that. Um, but but I, I was aware of them. And, 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 and there were times when, many times where I would do one of those things, or in some cases not do some things. And, and I knew that it was contrary to God's word, but I viewed it as a violation of a set of rules. And, and I, I can't remember the exact day, but I remember at a point in my life, a season of my life, when I began to understand that sin is not just a rules violation, but it's a break in relationship. That when I choose to sin, it, it doesn't just affect me, it affects my relationship with others, but ultimately it affects my relationship with God. Put another way, I feel a little bit, and perhaps you have as well, a little bit like Adam and Eve who, who, who when they sinned, when I sin, and, and you kind of want to run from God's presence. Why? Because there's this break. It's because there's this, there's this static or there's this, this malfunction, this disconnect in the network. And I don't want to pray. I don't want to spend time with God because I'm embarrassed or I'm ashamed. Does that ever happen to you? It happened with a king and a, a former giant killer named David. You can read about his story in First and Second Samuel. I won't go into all of the details, but David, this 
Bible, the Bible describes him, this person that the Bible describes as a man after God's own heart, he sinned. He, he blew it. He blew it big time. He sinned deeply, at least from our measure. There, there was, the, the, what resulted was scandal, and there was deception, and there was cover-up. Um, but I, I think the hardest thing, oh, and, and, and a lot of things, there was, there was a break in human relationships, there was there was accusations and there was war and there was the death of a child. There were so many bad things that happened, but I, looking at the text carefully, I think the hardest thing that David endured was a break in his connection with God. And I can say that with confidence because it was that break, it was that disconnect, it was that it was that I, I'm, I'm out of communication with God. It was that disconnect that, that was a key part in him eventually coming back into a place of repentance. In the book of Psalm, and a number of people were used by God to write it, but David was the author inspired by the Spirit of God the author of Psalm 51. It's an extensive chapter. He wrote the entire thing. But in that chapter, in Psalm 51, David prayed. It, it's really a prayer. You can read it later, the whole thing. But, but I want you to get this. He prayed these words and others. He prayed, cleanse me, wash me, let me hear, right? Let me hear. He prayed, create in me a pure heart. There's, there's this static, create in me a, a pure heart. He, he prayed, renew my spirit. Restore in me the joy of your salvation. What was David doing? What was David doing? You can almost hear his yearning for reconnection this most important relationship in his life with his heavenly Father. He knew nothing about Jesus. That was all later on. But he loved his Father in heaven and, and he was out of connectivity and he wanted to come. And it all, how, how, did, how, did, it, how did it begin to be restored? It started with prayer. You can read about his story later on. It's a great story. The, the relationship was reestablished. There was a reconnect, but it began with a man pouring out his heart in prayer. There's another person in the Bible. You perhaps know something about him as well. He was a very, uh, at different times, a very hard-hearted man named Jonah. Very quickly, his Jonah's, Jonah's story is that he rejected a, a key part of God's plan for a significant period of his life. And, and because he rejected God's plan, what followed was there was a storm, and there was fear, and there was abject terror on his part and others, and there was a near-death experience. But more than that, there was a, there was a, a break in his communication with God. Remember, God said, do this. Jonah said, I won't do that. I'll do the opposite. 
And he didn't simply go in a different direction from where God wanted him to. There was this break. There was a, there was a disconnect. Jonah chapter 2 tells us from the inside of a fish. It tells us in that epic story, true story, from the inside of a fish, under the surface of the Mediterranean Sea, Jonah, it says, prayed. He prayed. It's the most unique prayer place ever. By the way, by the way, um, to this day, if you happen to be inside of a big fish under the ocean and you had a cell phone and you pulled it out, I promise you, you would not get any bars. It ain't going to happen. But you see, God's network is, is far superior to anything that you could ever purchase. Because it was in the, in the belly of that enormous fish that finally, I think it was, what, after the third day, that he reestablished connection. And he cried out to God. By the way, I just point this out before we read something from that text. I, I, I want to I say this. Some of you perhaps here this morning, some of you have wondered if God hears you when you pray. <laughs> some of you are looking, so to speak, at your communication with God and saying, I wonder if he can hear me. I wonder if, I wonder if when I call on him, he will answer. Maybe you've done something or a series of somethings and you wonder if there's any hope for you. I really felt it was important to share that today, so I, I, I must believe that the Holy Spirit prompted me to do it because there's someone here who feels that or someone listening to this who hears that and you're wondering, can God answer? Is there any hope for me? Then I want you to consider Jonah who prayed this way in Jonah chapter 2, verse 2. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and He answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. A powerful text. And here's this guy who had hung up on God by his choice. He'd been disconnected. But in a hopeless, what most people would term a hopeless place, in a helpless place, he, he cries out to God. Notice the words there. It says, in my distress, I called, and he answered. From the worst place imaginable, I called and he listened. I don't know what you've gone through. And I don't know everything that you're going through right now. But I know this. If you're in a place of distress, call out to him and he'll answer you. Regardless of how big you think it is, and man, by our measure, it might be huge. But I don't care where you are, even if it's in a, a submerged state, he can hear you and he answers. Why is that possible? 
Because He's given us this wonderful thing called prayer. I'm not going to tell you how much I pay every month, but, but I'll tell you what. I, I, we, promised, we promised to pay our kids their cell phone number their, their, for their cell phone until they get through college. I am so excited. My last son is about to graduate. My bill's going to go down. Tired of doing this. We only have one rule. You have to call us. <laughs> Boy, if they don't call us, we are, you are done, man. I make it possible for my family to, I'll tell you what, God made it possible for us to call him. Think of this. In a moment, we can access the very throne room of the creator of the universe. We call that prayer. Some things we take for granted. I'll be honest, I'm the first to get in line. I've taken for granted prayer. I have a direct line to God through Jesus Christ. What Jesus did on that cross made it possible for me to reconnect. What Adam and Eve messed up so long ago, Jesus fixed. He fixed the lines of communication. So that can come before the throne of God. Do you know that ever since that happened, people cry out and they say, God, can you hear me now? And through Jesus Christ, he can. Every time I go into this word, God speaks to me but I speak to him through prayer. Some of you think prayer is something that only super Christians do. First of all, there are no such things as super Christians. If anyone calls themselves a super Christian, they're not. It's not for exclusive people. Oh, that person's a great person of prayer. <gasps> wow, they must like levitate at times. It's not just for special. It's for any person who's experienced new life in Jesus Christ. You don't have to get to super Christian status. By the way, if you know the way to get there, let me know. You don't have to get to super Christian status. You simply have to be in the blood of Jesus Christ. We have access to Him. Understand prayer for what God designed it to be. It is an amazing connection between the Creator and His creation. It is a clear connection between the Savior and this one that He has saved. So, the most important question that I can ask, that anyone can ask of you is, do you have that relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you in Christ? Have you surrendered your life to Christ? Because I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, that if you are feeling a disconnect and you reconnect through Jesus Christ, through you experience new salvation, new, new life in Him, you will be immediately patched into God. It begins with salvation. Now, some of you may think, you know, God knows everything, so why, why even pray? I've thought it. Maybe some of you have thought it or said it. God knows everything. Why should I pray? God knows everything. Why should I pray? Don't raise your hands, but you ever think that? You ever think, you know, why should I spend time in prayer? Because he knows, he knows everything. He knows everything about it. He knows the hairs on my head. And, you know, why should I? But when we pray, it's not so much for God's benefit, but it's for ours. You say that again. When we pray, when I pray, when, you, when we pray, it's not so much for his benefit. It's for my benefit. 
The Gospel of Luke, um, in fact, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, but Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, there's a blind man, another gospel writer we identifies by name, his name is Bartimaeus. Luke chapter 18 records this man who was blind, he was a blind beggar, it describes him. And uh, this blind man is in the city, I think it was Jericho, and, and uh, 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 Jesus is coming by and he calls out and he's, Jesus, have mercy on me. And uh, people around him, you know, he's just a beggar, he's just kind of, you know, secondary person in society, so psh, be quiet, it's an important man coming through, be quiet. <laughs> and he just turns up the volume, Bartimaeus gets a little bit louder and he, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And, and, and the Bible says, the Bible says, I mean, he, understand, he's just one voice of, among many, I'm sure that day, says that there was a, a, a large group, a multitude. But Luke 18, verse 40, tells us that Jesus stopped and he called for the man. And it says, and Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? So get that in your mind. Blind man, right? Blind people are very obvious. They can't see. They don't look you in the eye. I'm, I'm not making fun there. That's just the reality. And Jesus stops, looks at the man, calls for him and says, what do you want me to do for you? Another text in John, in another text in John chapter 5, Jesus came upon another person who had been, this person had been crippled. We don't know what caused it, but we know how long. He'd been crippled, the Bible says, for 38 years. That's a very, very long time. He'd been crippled for 38 years. To that person, Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? Now, now you see those two questions before you, and at first glance, those, those questions appear rather you know, unnecessary. Like, really? Blind persons, hello, blind persons want to see, and crippled persons want to be made well right? Don't they? So why did Jesus ask the obvious question? Why, why waste the breath? Why, 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 why ask them to speak? In part, in large part, because Jesus knows our hearts are revealed by our words. Let me say that again. Jesus knows, knew, knows, that our hearts are revealed by our words. Shortly after we got on that flight, I, I, uh, uh, somebody wonderfully gave me a gift several years ago on their, their headphones, and I, boy, as soon as I get in, I don't like the roar of airplanes. I put those bad boys on, flick the little switch, <gasps> perfect silence. <laughs> and uh, we get done, I turn off my, my, Joni calls them people blockers. I turned off my people blockers and, uh, and she said, oh, this guy, a couple rows ahead, boy, he was loud and he was saying horrible things the whole time through. I said, well, I'm sorry, I didn't hear it. But you know, it's interesting, isn't it? That's revealing because whatever that person was saying was revealing his heart. Do you know that people's words reveal their heart? Do you know that you, you can spend time with someone, spend an afternoon with someone, just a few hours, and you'll know what's in their heart because of what they say. Oh, they may get by with it for 5, 10, 15 minutes, but eventually you're going to hear. Jesus said it's out of what's in the heart that a person speaks. See, Jesus knows what's in our hearts. Jesus knows our hearts are revealed by our 
words. And so when we pray, our hearts are exposed. When we pray, what's really in us comes out. When we spend time alone with God and we pray, we open up to Him. I love prayer meetings. They're a good thing. One of the most important times of prayer that we can have is just between you and God because it's in that place that your heart is going to be opened and revealed. And you're going to say, Lord Jesus, I'm hurting. I'm wounded. I'm frustrated. I'm joyous. Your gratitude is going to be revealed in your words as you pray. He knows what's in there. He's known all along. But when we pray, we hear what's in our hearts. And He hears what's in our hearts. I'm not one of these persons who says everything that we say, if we say it, it's going to happen. Uh, I understand that God has a sovereignty and He has a plan that is far beyond my plan. And He wants to do things far different or far better than I w- would ever ask or even imagine. But I also know this, that it's so important at times to come to the Lord Not at times, all times, to come to the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, I need this. I'm in a fish under the sea and I don't know what to do, but I come to you. This is not only true of the needs that we have, but of the things that we've done. It's with confessing sins. When we call things for what they are, how many times have we prayed oh Lord I've sinned again please forgive me and it's a sincere prayer but then we find ourselves doing the same thing let me help you with something instead of coming and saying Lord Jesus forgive me of my sins name the sin pray it out loud Lord forgive me for that thought Forgive me for my words that I said. Forgive me of my cynicism. Say it. Say it, just just you and him, in a a quiet place, out loud, Lord, and identify it. Lord, forgive me for a critical nature. Forgive me for gossiping about that person. Forgive me for that lustful word or action. Call it what it is. Name it. I am guilty of this. Forgive me of it. Let me tell you something. The enemy does not want you to do that because the enemy does not want you to identify the sin before the Savior. Does he know that you did it? Of course he does. But there's power in confession of sin before him. Call it. Name it. It's a powerful element in forgiveness and in deliverance. I've experienced this and so have many of you. Call it for what it is. Expose it. Jesus, forgive me for, and then fill in the blank. Folks, we need to learn. We need to learn. We're on a long-distance journey. This is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's a wonderful marathon. It's a wonderful journey. And one of the tools that he has given us is this wonderful connectivity called prayer. We need to learn that We pray not because he needs to hear it, but because we need to hear it. 
Prayer is not just for his benefit, it's for our benefit. And he's given us this ability, and so I encourage you to be a person of prayer. That it's a part of your daily routine. In fact, I, want, I, want to, I, I earnestly desire this for you, that, you become, that prayer becomes so important to you that when you wake up, regardless of what time you wake up, expected or unexpected, that the first person that you begin speaking to that day is Jesus. Good morning, Lord. Thank you for a new day. Didn't, didn't know if I was going to have it, but you gave it to me. Oh, Lord, help me. Oh, God, help me to make it. I'm hurting today, or I'm excited today, or my heart is heavy today. So that in the middle of the day, you don't have to go off to, you know, I'll tell you what, this church is always open for prayer. You can come here anytime, but, 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 but any place and any time we have, we have a connection with him that is not four or five bars. It's limitless. going to ask our musicians to step forward. We're going to close with a song that we sang earlier called Breathe. And so you can prepare that. And uh, I want us to close with this. While they're preparing themselves, in this very holy moment, for this is where the message perhaps more than any other time, is applied. I want to pray over you and then we're going to stand and we're going to sing together. Lord, I thank you for prayer. The very thing that I'm doing right now is because of what Jesus did on the cross. You saved me, but you also gave me this means of communication. I've taken it for granted at many times, Lord, and one of the things that I've had to pray for forgiveness for is my prayerlessness, that I have taken it for granted. And I forget about the wonder of prayer. Thank you, Lord, that regardless of what I've done, I can come to you and find grace to help me in my time of need. I thank you, Lord, that that I can access the very throne room of God. There are elected officials in this world I couldn't even hope to get through to in a lifetime. But because of a relationship with you, because of the cross, I can speak to God. I can pour out my heart to God. Lord, I thank you. It's amazing. I want to go the distance. I want to go the distance. I don't want to stall out. I don't want to give up. I don't want to run. I don't want to go over to the enemy's side. And I don't want that for any other person here within the sound of my voice. I want us to go the distance. You've given us your word. You speak to us every time we go into it. You've given us prayer. It's me sharing with you, opening my heart to you that you already know, but you want me to share it because there's power in confession. So Lord, this I pray, that every person here, every man, every woman, 
every young person, every person listening in subsequent days or weeks or months, I pray that they would be people of prayer. No such thing as super Christians, Lord. You know that. We're all, we're all hungry beggars showing other people where we found bread. We're sinners who, are, who have been saved by grace. But we have connectivity. May we be people of prayer. Help us, Lord, in these hours and days ahead to spend that time with you. Even just a few moments today, opening our heart, praying out loud, maybe in a vehicle, early in the morning, late at night, pouring out our heart to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing this song. When we're done singing it, these altars are open. Perhaps you want to come down and, and in prayer say, Lord, to be a greater person of prayer. At the conclusion of this song, please feel, feel free. Come forward. And spend some time in prayer. You can pray as long as you want. We'll respect that. Um, but, but don't stop praying here or think that this is only the only place we can. Pray wherever you are. If you're driving, keep your eyes open to pray. If you're in a classroom, Pray. You know, they say that there's no prayer in schools. That's wrong. I prayed a lot in school. Because I have all the bars I need with Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's sing this together. Come as we sing. This is the air I breathe. Come to the altar. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. 
Jesus.